Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Hello, welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. My name is Kevin Senapati-Rod, and I'm glad you could join us today for another Adventure with Jesus conversation. It is all about helping you to engage in Adventure with Jesus. Now, we talk a lot about prayer around here, and I believe that prayer leads to an adventure with Jesus. Actually, it is an adventure with Jesus when you get into conversation with God. But the idea is that as you... Spend time with him. He speaks to you and draws you into an adventure with him. And I want to give you ideas on how to grow in that adventure, ideas on uh, ways that other people have engaged in that adventure that may spark something that the Spirit of God would speak to you about where he would have you. And Today's conversation is really a great example of that. My conversation with Paul Herkman, who is executive director of Venture Ministry. Now, uh, Venture, and we get into what it's all about. So, Paul will do a better explanation of that. But Paul just has a heart for God, a heart for people to find that dream that they have and use that to express and uh, find expression to what God has for them. So I think this is going to be a good conversation for you to just think about ideas. Maybe God's put something strange. It may seem strange in your heart uh, that you want to do, that you want to accomplish. And as you hear the story of venture, you're going to say, oh, Maybe this can actually have an expression. Uh, Maybe this can come out in a way that's going to bless and encourage the kingdom of God or make a difference in the justice uh, movement, make a difference in the kingdom of God in general. So I think you're really going to enjoy this. Sit back, uh, let your spirit come alive, and without further ado, my conversation with Paul Herkman. All right, Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here, Kevin. Hi. I will have already given the introduction to the uh, the audience, but uh, what they probably need to know right up front is that we have 300 friends in common on Facebook. That's... <laughs> Which is incredibly important to understand how those virtual relationships are, especially in this time of social distancing. Right, and and the fact that I don't know that we've ever had a conversation, even though we have that huge network together. <laughs> Isn't that kind of the uh, the the irony of the moment and just the the age that we're in that you can be digitally connected and yet never have had a cup of coffee and sat across the table from somebody. Uh, I, I always like to start these conversations somewhere out in left field, but uh, before we started, we talked about uh, how we both went to the same college uh, <laughs> and even overlapped, even though we apparently didn't meet then either. But uh, do you, as you think back on those years at North Central, uh, do you have any fun favorite memories uh, that come to mind, uh, or maybe not so fun. I don't know, but uh, some, some story to get us going here as when you think of your North Central days. That's a great question. And uh, as 
as part of the alumni board, I have to decide if I'm going to put a story that's going to throw some people in um, powerful positions under the bus because I roomed with them. Or I, how about I'll just do this? We'll, we'll start a little bit more neutral. What I when I think about my college experience um, in North Central specifically, I think about an introduction um, to the world because uh, it because of where it was situated. I came from a middle-sized town in middle America and coming to a major urban and international setting. Um, that's what I talk about the most. I mean, there, there are some very specific things about North Central. I love the chapel. I love the spiritual climate. I love the friendship and the preparation. But the unique thing for me was actually where it was situated. It grew my love for the city um, uh, and all that that encapsulates. Uh, I uh, didn't actually know how much I loved it until I moved away for a job, and then I worked really hard to come back. And I, I deeply love Minneapolis, and I deeply love where I currently live in North Minneapolis. So um, that's that's my starting point for North Central. Well, and yes, you are on the alumni board, so we probably don't want you to get kicked off in one conversation, right? <laughs> that's correct. That's correct. <laughs> We can try, though. I, you know, maybe later in the conversation, we'll, we'll see what we can do. But <laughs> I like that. I like that. Let's see where we go. Uh, now, just uh, for someone who's not, you know, familiar with venture, we need to get that on the table here right out front. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll meander. But uh, if someone, maybe you're meeting someone and you just, uh, they say, what do you do? Uh, kind of that kind of question uh, and you're trying not to give the 30 second walk away from me answer uh, <laughs> please go away you know that kind of thing uh, if you want to engage a conversation how, how do you describe what venture does yeah so I'll try not to actually give too long of an answer but I remember when I started working for venture and here's what I thought because I love I love the organization that I work with and I'm like, here's all we need to do. We need to create that 30-second airtight elevator pitch, and everybody's going to want to be a part of this story. Nine years later, I still can't figure out how to redact it down to 30 <laughs> seconds because, because um, if you go to our site, that will the newest version that will roll out in a month, the big words will be justice for the unreached. We are really passionate about bringing justice to some of the most difficult places. And so we work in areas that is the intersection of least reached and least resourced. So areas where there's less than 2% gospel witness. Um, and we address, uh, as part of the full and whole gospel, we address four key areas, uh, human trafficking, refugee crisis, extreme poverty, and persecution or the persecuted church. Um, specifically, we actually work in areas where there's less than 1% Christian giving. So that is what you would see when we roll out the, the the newest version of our website. If you back up to 2002, we started with three college students that simply wanted to go on an adventure and they decided to bike across the country. Um, they didn't own bikes. Uh, they weren't cyclists. <laughs> uh, during this time in 2002, uh, none of them had cell phones. Um, there was no MapMy or Google Maps, so they literally had physical folded maps. They drove out to the Pacific Ocean. Uh, one of them bought their bike on the way, and they just started biking, having no idea what they were doing. 
they they make it across the country. They raise eighteen thousand dollars, which at that time could have been a million dollars for college students. And they thought they were done. They weren't trying to do uh, a nonprofit. They were just trying to um, actually bike across the country and raise money for a missions project. And then the next year they bike Europe, and the next year they hike Bhutan, and then all of a sudden we're doing hiking, biking, and running. And now we have this convergence happening of doing these epic trips and raising money for a lot of different organizations, um, whether organizations that you and I both know, Convoy of Hope, American Bible Society, World Relief, you know, these type of big organizations, Bloodwater Mission. Um, and this is why it can't be 30 seconds, but I'll work on landing the plane. So we start doing um, tours after tours, uh, cross-country tours, um, five-day tours, running across states, hiking mountains, Kilimanjaro. Uh, just this last year, we went to Everest Base Camp. Um, and we use miles, this idea of sacrificing, um, living more sacrificially, going from comfortable to less comfortable, to raise money for the poor and the oppressed around the world, responding to needs the way we see the gospel. Um, and so we have miles-based things that then raise money for the projects that we do, um, specifically in Southeast Asia. Um, where we do refugee crisis. We feed about 21,000 meals a day. Um, we do safe housing and patrol stations where we provide um, safety for about 500 plus um, young boys and girls every single day. We do education um, where we have programs over a thousand. And I just heard this voice in my head where I turned it into a commercial. And so I'm just going to stop there. I don't want. I want. I want a conversation and not a commercial. But I do. I do love what we do. So if I if I tried to do 10 seconds, we use hiking, biking, and running to respond to some of the greatest needs. Um, we're passionate about justice for the unreached. That means that through the local church, we're going to try to meet as many needs and transform as many communities as possible. Well, and I, I wouldn't expect otherwise from the because uh, one of the things that I've admired from uh, watching from afar you, your work with venture is the passion that you bring to it. Uh, you're you're not you're not half in on the subject, <laughs> or it, it seems to the outside, anyways. Uh, I, I appreciate that passion gets dangerously close to rambling at times. So. <laughs> So uh, that's where I have to listen to that voice in my head going, okay, stop talking. <laughs> right. Is is the passion uh, a natural bent for you? Is that kind of, uh, or is it just because of what you're doing that uh, you, you, know, you have the passion because of the cause or were you always a passionate person? Man, that is a great question. Um, you're good at this. I, so how I will answer is, this is where the gospel makes the most sense to me. Um, I love Jesus. I love the gospel. I love the kingdom. It all makes sense. Sometimes what I read in the book, I don't see around me. I see comfortable living. I see people isolating themselves. I see um, uh, factions of people that stay very connected to one another and aren't extending outside of that. So the idea of justice, not a politicized justice, not an agenda justice, just biblical justice calls us to go, as I'm working on my relationship with Christ uh, in the Old Testament, Sadaka, as I'm working on that, I now have a better picture of what shalom looks like, what, what real order looks like, God's design. And when I see places where God's design is not flourishing, then I want to do something about that. That's that's the uh, Micah 6-8, the mishpat, right? That's where, man, 
I am called to not just feel bad about something, but to enter into it. So I think the passion part to me is, man, when myself, my family, my community, or other people are engaging in the work of justice, the words of scripture come more alive. And I'm like, that's what the kingdom looks like. And I find people from all different faith backgrounds are super inspired when the church gets to the work of helping the poor and the oppressed as part of the gospel. I want to be really clear. It's not a one or the other. It's just part of it. Um, And so that's what I get excited about. The more we practice that type of thing, I I feel like what I read in the book becomes more alive and more transformative for today. And it sounds like so it sounds like you you had some passion for this, and then it, it's as you've gotten into the book, and it's it kind of heats it up uh, as you and gets you more focused. If if someone was not feeling that they're listening to this and they're they're not feeling, uh, you know, they want to do something for God, but it's not. Uh, what would you say to try and develop that passion? Yeah, that's so. Um... It's super dangerous if we only live based off of feelings, right? If, if we live off of feelings, uh, I, you know, it, I will, 1 Corinthians 15 and Ephesians 2 happen to be two that, that I've just been thinking about um, in, in light of the resurrection uh, and in light of that, that Christ had a new body and then the church is called a body and what does our bodies have to do with things? And, and Paul's talking about this idea that, hey, what we choose to do with our body really matters because it's a it's a representation of Christ's new body of of the body of Christ and so when we when we limit what we do to what we feel first of all we're going to pursue some fleshly things that are going to get really dangerous and actually break relationships with other people or damage those relationships um, as we pursue the kingdom uh, it will actually energize our flesh. I did not wake up one day and, and just decide, I'm gonna be like this justice guy. I didn't wake up and uh, even being in Minneapolis, uh, I didn't think about that I was gonna help advocate for the poor and the oppressed. I, I really didn't. I can remember a moment walking through downtown Minneapolis and somebody asked um, for, some, um, for some money. And I don't know if you remember, uh, there was a lot of people at the time saying, and even now saying, don't give money because they're going to use it on X, Y, and Z. And I used that verbiage and I said, I don't have any money. Uh, side note, I lied because I did. Um, and, but I walked away and, and for whatever reason, I, I started tearing up and crying. And I thought, I don't want to make judgment on everybody about how they should use their money. I, I do have something. I could give something. I didn't turn around and give them money. So there's not a great end of the story. But it started, I remember starting thinking about what I have in light of what other people don't have and what is my responsibility. And as I started just thinking about those things, Scripture came alive. So back to your question of what about somebody who maybe doesn't feel Maybe don't wait for your feelers. Maybe read and just go, if this passage is true, what am I supposed to do? And I really believe that the Spirit's talking to us and will give you the next step. Not every step, but the next step. Hey, now, this isn't in my notes, but it's just kind of as I'm hearing you. When you look at venture, how much of it is uh, is stirring the church and how much is, I mean, is it, does it lean more one side or the other? Is it just a both and it's all just one big thing? Uh, Like we're trying to engage people in the body of Christ to action uh, more so than the other. Uh, Does that make sense? 
Um, I think so. If I go in a wrong direction, let me know. Um, we we only want to work in tandem with the church. Um, we uh, I am a licensed minister, and um, I have been a pastor um, at a church in Dallas, which you know they're professional Christians in the South, um, and uh, and so I have a deep love for the church and a deep respect for the church. And at any point, if an individual or an organization goes to the church and goes, here's how we do it better, watch us. I, I think we're missing the boat because the church is the is not just buildings, but the body of Christ. We, we want to come alongside and ask churches, how can we help to do what the Holy Spirit is already leading your group of people to do? Um, and so individually, um, I can answer, I hope my life encourages other people to be less comfortable. I really do. I hope that um, we are the wealthiest across time and space. Um, we are the most comfortable across time and space. And we don't have to feel bad about that, but there is a responsibility. Um, the, the American church, while things are changing rapidly, um, have access to a level of fiscal resource and power that has never been granted anybody else at any other point in history, maybe since the Romans. And what we do with that power and resources we should be marked by radical generosity and radical justice. And shifting a little bit, I, I got, got to go back to our North Central for a second. Uh, in a previous episode, we had uh, President Hagen uh, on the, the show, uh, episode 21 for those listening. Uh, and I understand that you and him and a group hiked to Everest Base Camp together. Uh, uh, so can you give a little bit of that story? What, what's that all about? <clears throat> yeah. yeah that, um, so first of all, uh, you definitely, I have not yet listened to episode 21, President Hagen, but I can guarantee your listeners should listen to it because if you can be, after 17 days of being in the Himalayas with a man, if you can come out of the Himalayas and go, that guy's better than I ever thought, that's a really good. That's good. <laughs> that's a really good start. He's the best storyteller I've ever met. I just, I love listening to his stories. Uh, so one of the things that venture loves to do is to help make other people's dreams happen, and then use that as a platform. So President Hagen actually had a dream to go to Everest Base Camp. Actually, lots of people at least have that in the back of their mind, and we should remind your listeners, it's the lowest point of the highest mountain. We did not summit it. Um, this was a hike, a walk. It was difficult. Um, but then using platforms like that to shed light on what Christ is doing in that part of the world. And so we used it, and um, the work that we were doing supported church planting in Nepal, and it also highlighted the um, gross injustice of human trafficking. And so we worked with three of our partners in Nepal um, so that our team of 12, that they could be introduced to the injustice and then introduced to solutions and hope. Um, and then we did a, an incredible life-changing um, uh, trip to hike to, to base camp. It took um, 17 days, give or take, round trip. Uh, and just up and down all day, uh, but you're in the Himalayas. It was incredible. <laughs> did, did you enjoy it? I don't know if that's the right question, but it, it was it fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. So what I what I tell people is uh, the food was bad, the sleeping conditions were worse, the miles were super long, uh, 
the the uh, exhaustion and the altitude got to you, and I wouldn't change a thing. There there is something about removing yourself from what you know and what's comfortable and being introduced to a whole different um, arena. And it's not just the mountains, and it's not just the altitude, and it's not just the new um, ecosystem. It's also the people in their worldview. The moment we landed in Lukla, which is the second most dangerous airport in the world, I mean, it was trippy landing there. Um, from that moment on for the next 15 days, we didn't see a motorized vehicle ever, other than a helicopter going over, which meant that somebody was getting medevaced out. Wow. Um, we saw yaks and we saw incredible, uh, the strength of, of incredible humans that were literally carrying up, sometimes ironically, large screen TVs, huge TVs that were going up the side of the mountain to get to the hostels so that there would be TVs for Western wow. people who wanted to do this epic trip. It was, it was a weird juxtaposition. <laughs> I, I don't know what to do with that information. That's just weird. It, it is weird, it, it, but it is, man, they're beautiful people, strong people. The the strength of, of what they endure from um, some of the levels of poverty, some of the levels of their, um, uh, their interaction with the physical elements um, and the resolve and the beauty um, and the hope that they have is something that you hope to take from there and bring it back to um, where you live, bring it back to your families. One of the things about this show is our kind of our theme is adventure with Jesus, uh, encouraging people to go on adventure with Jesus. Uh, and you have, I mean, your organization and you personally kind of embody that whole idea. Uh, if someone was thinking about an adventure, actually, let me rephrase that. Uh, when you're processing going to Everest Base Camp, or uh, and we'll maybe get into some of the other stories, uh, the crazy things you do, uh, how do you process, is this something I'm supposed to do, or just encourage someone else to do, or how does that kind of thinking work for you? Yeah, that's great. So I have a, uh, mine is not so, I'd like to say it was more spirit-led than it is, it's wife-led. And what I mean by that is, I have a wife and five kids. And so basically we have a rhythm of every other year I do one of these types of trips. Um, before uh, Everest Base Camp, uh, it was two years before that that I biked along the coast of California. And two years before that, I ran across the state of Minnesota. Um, and uh, for your listeners, I am actually, what you are probably picturing is not even close to what I am. I, I don't have an Instagram account. I'm not ripped. I'm not buff. I'm not like a, a mountain man. I'm just an average dude that really believes that how God created our mortal coil can do far more than we'd ever think or imagine. And when we stretch ourselves that way, we begin to open up to, well, what else could maybe I'd be a part of doing. Some of the people on our trip to Everest Base Camp just saw themselves as a nine to five office person. And anytime you say to yourself, I'm just, you are limiting what God could do. So just take the word just out of it. Um, and um, so uh, as far as organizationally, the trips that we do, we specialize in other people's dreams um, and how those dreams could intersect with um, helping to bring the gospel more clearly through justice projects, through church planting. Everything that we do is through the local church and um, it includes church planting or we also say disciple making because in the areas of the world that we work in, 
the concept, the Western concept of church planting is not what's happening in Afghanistan or in uh, Myanmar or in Nepal. It's different. It's discipleship making. It's person to person. These, um, it's rescued girls becoming disciple making. Uh, I, I want to say machines, but I don't want to devalue or, or um, lack di um, dignity. But some of the most powerful uh, evangelists for the hope of the kingdom are those people that have come from the darkest places. When you have personally experienced physical redemption, um, you just want other people to know. And so when President Hagen said, I love Nepal, I want to go to Everest Base Camp, said, Let's, that's great. Let's introduce people to the beauty of what Jesus is doing in Nepal. Or just yesterday, literally yesterday, I had someone who next week is going to have surgery for cancer. And he said, when I survive this, the next year I want to climb Kilimanjaro. You and your wife did Kilimanjaro. Let's do that. I said, great. Let's plan that and let's figure out how climbing Kilimanjaro can help bring the gospel more clearly um, around the world. So are most of the tours then like an individual based, like that starts with one individual? Or how do the tours come about? Are some of them organized or... Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. So it's a both and historically, um, up until the last couple of years, Venture has always kind of planned, organized, and basically said, come join the things that we're doing. Uh, what we have found, because we do exist to raise funds um, for these projects around the world, what we found is we it's far more effective um, when other people have the dream. We are better at facilitating. So, um, and it's not just big trips internationally. I think you and I both know Brent Silkey. Um, Brent called me, he said, hey, I got this dream. I'm gonna turn 30 years old. And I'm tell me if I'm crazy, uh, but when on my 30th birthday, I wanna get 30 buddies and we're all gonna run 30 miles each and we're gonna raise $30,000. And he's like, can you help? And I said, I think we can. And uh, if you fast forward it that year, they had over 70 people. Um, get involved, and over the last four years, they've raised over 600000 Now, no, nobody, the, the movement's called 30 for Freedom. None of them are paid. It's just a movement of people that are doing this, and this year on July 4th, they're, they're, even in the midst of COVID, they're going to do a virtual 30 for Freedom where you can do 5Ks, half marathons, or 30 milers, and um, he just, he was on a call with Boston Marathon runners who are saying, I want to do this with you, and so what we found is when when, when God kind of plants that kind of a dream, uh, we have one of the person I'll tell a quick story was at one of our fundraising banquets, and he heard about a story of uh, the ability to um, provide safety and rescue for vulnerable girls. He's like, I want to do something like that, but I can't run across the state and I can't um, bike across the country, but I can walk. And so he decides that he's going to get some of his friends to um, hike a 14er in Colorado. Uh, and they raised $50,000. He's like, well, that, that worked well. So the next year he decides he's going to hike the Grand Canyon, um, and they raised $150,000, just him and some friends. And this year they're gonna do part of the Underground Railroad um, uh -huh. on the Appalachian Trail. And so, now we could try to come up with those kind of ideas, but it's so much better when it's a, a business person that just says, this is what I wanna do, and they invite their friends to be a part of something bigger than themselves that give purpose and direction towards the kingdom. Uh, any other, uh, uh, another, I reached out to some of our mutual friends and uh, uh, Kelly Black had gone on one of your uh, stuff and she's, she, she wanted to know if you had any great or, or favorite stories of some of the tours, uh, good, bad, or ugly, uh, that she, uh, would help people along. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
one of the things that most people who are a couple steps away from venture really don't understand is most of the people that sign up for what we do are just average ordinary people. Um, we do have some pretty incredible athletes, but they are the strong, strong minority. Um, I, when I ran across the state, uh, I ran with six people. Five of the six people had never even run a 5K, never trained for a 5K. Six months later, we helped the training process and they ran across the state and we did four days of back-to-back-to-back marathons. So they ran across every, over the course of, um, and I might do my math wrong, my wife loves numbers and I always forget. I know it was 211 um, miles. I believe we did it in, um, in either eight or 10 days. I can't remember, but we started at eight miles. I think our longest day was 27. Every single day we just ran. And the point is that anybody can do it. Now, some of them went on, one of them has kept running and now she's training to break um, a mountain record in Colorado. Like she's, she's gone crazy, but the rest of us are just, you know, we went back to our jobs and, and did our thing. Um, uh, two things that kind of cracked me up on that first bike tour, um, that they, those guys had no idea what they were doing. I mean, they were not the sharpest sticks in the wood. Um, <laughs> one of the guys is like, well, when I'm, when I'm not biking, what am I going to do? He, so he decided he was going to read. And so he's like, well, this is gonna, I'm going to have a lot of time to read. So I kid you not, he brought the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy hardbound <laughs> on, the, on his bike. They didn't have, like, now we have nice vans and trailers that support things. That extra weight of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, he got to a point where he started ripping out the pages once he was done to just save weight. Uh, the next year, they were in Europe. They went Portugal to Poland. There was five guys this time. And um, at one point, they slept on a mountain, but there was so little space to sleep that they had to um, belt themselves to one another so they wouldn't fall off the mountain. <laughs> They went 17 days without a shower, um, and that on that 17th day, think about 17 days biking one to 200 miles a day. I mean, they were like petri dishes. They were a science project, and their shower ended up being um, getting into a, a fountain in the middle of a European city and just washing themselves. So that's now. I don't want to scare people away. We actually have nice sleeping accommodations and showers every day now. But those—that was the start. That's that's what those things start looking like. But I think that's important for people to hear that as well. Just because sometimes we see where, like, like where venture is today, and we think, okay, God's put some thing in my heart to do something. I can't do that, uh, and so we don't. You know, we forget about the stories where they're not showering for 17 days. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Exact. We say this phrase, we do tough things for people in tough places. Um, and the, the tough things, you know, I, I think I probably over-repeated it. Um, the, the tough things is so important because if you read the book, and for those people who aren't understanding what I say, when I say the book, I mean the Holy Scriptures, the First and Second Testament. When, when you read through there, it's an incredible story, um, but it's filled with people in really difficult situations. And those situations aren't meant to shed light on that person, but they're meant to shed light on Christ and the kingdom. And when we put ourselves in difficult situations, we create better space for the kingdom to become more alive. And, and I love kind of your concept of... Uh, doing something and kind of stretching yourself. Uh, if uh, 
Well, you mentioned Brent, Brent Silkey, uh, and he's actually been on the show before. Uh, and so I reached out to him and asked him to you know, give me some good questions. Uh, and, he, <laughs> uh, and he said uh, that I should ask you, and I, and I did my research, and I, so I know what – I think I know what you're going to say here, but I want, uh, I'll ask it anyways. Uh, you don't like or don't use the expression crushing it. Uh, yes. uh, and can you explain why and what kind of the r- r- rationale there is? That that's funny. It, it's interesting. I wonder why that came to Brent's mind. I I actually I personally don't because I don't actually think I crush it in life. I think that it shines light on the individual. Now I do believe that we are called to work really hard. Um, but crushing it to me means we're going to be awesome in one area at the expense of another area. And when I read the book, there is rhythm all over it, rhythm of seasons, um, rhythm of weeks, of days, rhythms in relationships. And crushing it almost always means you're going to get awesome in one area at the expense sometimes of family, at the expense of personal relationships, at the expense of personal health. Um, and so, so I don't really focus on crushing it, uh, obedience and balance and rhythm. Now, again, to the listeners, I don't always play that out. It's easy to have a couple of nice sound bites. Um, but, uh, if I'm going to crush it and at one point I was speaking for a small gathering and the guy told me, um, again, another alumni of our university is like, the theme's crushing it. I think you'll do great. And I was like, I said, Bill, do you even know me? I don't crush it at anything. He goes, how about, just talk about crushing it with your family. And I said, okay, if there's one area in my life that I want to crush it, it's probably with the family. So, so we talked about that. Uh, You know, I'm far too old to try to be fast at anything. I'm too old to try to be the best looking, to be in the best shape. Um, The entire team that I work with at Venture are all younger than me. And so uh, I have learned slow and steady wins the race. Well, it doesn't even win the race. I just want to finish. <laughs> That's right. I don't care about winning. <laughs> we, we we just want to survive some days to to take another shot at it, right? Absolutely, absolutely. All right. All right. But again, I think that's really wise from a standpoint of following Jesus. Uh, there is just pace of life that we need to. I mean, he walked everywhere, and I, uh, uh, you know, I. I'm reading another book where he's talking about, you know, three miles an hour or whatever, you know, the pace that people walk. That's what Jesus lived his life. Uh, And and so to stretch yourself, to try something hard does not necessarily mean you're going to do it all in one day. Uh, It's it's a long walk in the same direction sometimes. Yeah, I think I think the other thing around crushing it it is um, I think about the phrase in. the Lord's Prayer of daily bread, and I think about manna in the jars, and their job was to gather enough for today. In my mind, crushing it means I'm gonna try to steal from tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So, and it does two things. It, It takes us out of balance, and secondly, it puts light on ourselves. If you, if you're like me, Um, When I'm not careful and I'm reading the book and I read about somebody like uh, David or Moses or somebody, uh, a story of the Good Samaritan, I'm like, well, which person am I? You know, and how do I relate to which character? There are only two characters in all of Scripture, Jesus and sinners. That's it. Um, Now, there might be iterations of sinners. There might be different examples. But 
but we tend to want to be like the hero in the story. There's only one hero, um, and we have to keep reminding ourselves and those around us. We have to keep taking the light off of ourselves and putting it back on the kingdom and back on Christ. Um, and that actually helps us live in better rhythm, in better obedience, and actually sleep better at night, I think. <laughs> well, if we're, if we're trying to do it all ourselves, it, 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 it's an easy way to kill yourself. That's uh, uh, yeah. putting a lot of pressure. Uh, you, you mentioned your family. Uh, we, we should at least take one question on your, uh, talking about your family. Uh, and uh, in my research, uh, I understand uh, May the 4th, is an important day in your life uh and being yes. a uh, being a a nerd myself uh i have my own reasons for may the fourth be with you but uh, uh why why is that uh, day significant in your life uh, great that's a great question so may the fourth be with us uh was um one of our gotcha days and if uh the listeners don't know what a gotcha day is gotcha day is like a birthday but it's the day you celebrate an adoption and on uh, May 4th, uh, we celebrated uh, the fourth child coming into our home. Um, it, we, we have bigs and littles in our house. Um, our bigs are biological, our littles are adopted and foster. I currently have five kids. I wake up in the morning going, what am I doing? Kevin, this morning I woke up, I have a one-year-old that still sleeps in my bedroom. I'm not in my bed, we're not like family bed type folks, um, but because we don't have any more room in our house, um, but we are fostering and have fostered uh, um, this young boy since, since uh, he was born, since we got him from the NICU. Um, and so uh, I, I love our family. It's, it's total crazy. I wake up going, I'm way too old to have you know, a fifth child. And if you do the math of if this one stays with us, uh, we, love the foster we love fostering. And the idea of providing safety while families stabilize and we can send um, kids back to those families is the goal. We're just not very good at it. We, keep, <laughs> we just keep keeping the kids, which we say somewhat flippantly, but with reverence that um, when all other options are exhausted, we have adopted as well. Um, and so uh, our, our bigs are biological and our littles are um, um, two adopted and one foster right now. And uh, love it, love it, love it. Any, <laughs> anything you'd say to someone, again, this is not necessarily a topic, but uh, anything you'd say to someone about the foster, uh, if they're thinking about it or it's kind of in the back of their head? <laughs> that's like to a foster care parent, that's like the softball lab question. Like I could go on. I will say a couple of some things. Um, one, uh, one of the reasons why we got into foster care was not because we felt called. My wife probably, I don't know how you feel. I'm super frustrated that God talks way more clearly to my wife. I'm like, why doesn't he talk that clear to me, right? Like we could, but my wife for a while was like, we should do foster care, we should do foster care. Um, when, I, when I was a pastor at a church, uh, we would talk, we, it was just my wife and I and, and our two now bigs, but they were little, and we would talk about what does it mean for us to be Christ followers when we're not getting paid? As a pastor, you get paid to be a Christ follower. I'm paid to not sleep around on my wife. I'm paid to not, um, you know, have a heroin addiction. I'm paid to not run a gambling ring. Um, but who do my kids understand what Christ following looks like when you're not getting paid to do it? And so we got involved with Venture. Um, and that was kind of our, our justice bent. That was like, we're going to put our time into that. Nobody's paying. Nobody's celebrating us. 
Well, then um, I ended up working for Venture in my current role. I'm back up in Minneapolis. And I said to Candace, well, well, now what are we going to do? Because the thing that used to be our thing that was just our family thing is now the thing I get paid for. Um, and so we're like, how do we practice what God's doing in our life right now? Just us. And uh, currently in, um, in Minnesota, there are over 4,000 people waiting to be adopted. Um, and there are so many more churches than that. Uh, and what we just basically, my wife, uh, I don't normally use this phrase, but it's the best I can use. She Jesus juked me. One day she just drops the Bible in front of me and says, there, taking care of the vulnerable. What? We got to do something. So we just took one class. I, I want to be clear. Nobody came to my church and prophesied over me. I had no com compulsion inside of me to be a foster parent. I didn't go into it thinking, we're really good parents. We should pass this on. None of that. It was simply one step. I didn't even know if it was obedience. It was just, you know, between you and me getting my wife off my back. I, I love my wife. I say that very flippantly. Um, but just going, okay, let's take a step together. And now, gosh, we've been in this thing for six, seven years now. And uh, it, it was so much the right choice. Um, and it is our way as a family. Every single one of us have to sacrifice so that we create space for other people to come live in our home. Don't you think uh, that some of how God does that, though, in our lives is uh, not these grand, you know, pronouncements, you know, the prophesy over. It's, uh, it is, you know, your wife says, let's try this, let's do that. Uh, that is how God works in our lives. I, I totally agree. I think God has to get creative with me because I don't spend, one of the things that I love about your podcast, your ministry, and really your life mission is, is this focus on prayer. Um, I, I, I love that um, because I'm not good at it um, because I think God has to get creative talking to me because I don't create enough space on a regular enough basis for that. I think God's primary ways that he talks to us are through prayer and through scripture, but I also think he's creative. I think he talks to me through my wife. I think he talks to me through Bono sometimes, you know, and I'm not advocating any kind of music. I'm just saying that that though we we need to practice um, deconstructing our Western worldview of logically this must be how I listen to and follow Jesus. There's this mystical, beautiful way that this current reality that we think is so real, if we look in scripture, it's just a reflection of what's more real. And that more real is always talking to us um, through the spirit, um, through the, the fellowship of the saints, through the community of the body of Christ. All of these things are talking to us. Um, and people might go, that sounds pretty mystical. Wait, yes, yes, Jesus is Lord over all of it. And he is talking to us. It never contradicts scripture. It never contradicts those things. Um, but he is talking to us. So I, um, I absolutely believe that God is not only persistent, but is beautiful and creative in getting our attention. And so, yeah, I do think he was probably calling us to this. And I just had to figure it out like the stubborn child that doesn't fully understand or agree with what the parent wants them to do. And the nice thing when it's kind of these uh, more nudges and uh, kind of s small ways of going into something is that you uh, can kind of figure it out 
as you go along. And if if it's a angel at the end of the bed, you got to get up the next day and you know make some radical changes. If it's uh, go to a class, you can kind of uh, small steps into it. Uh, yeah. Which our, our time's coming to an end. If uh, if people were uh, kind of processing and they're hearing about venture and they're uh here's here's another softball question for you uh, if yeah. if you're if they're if they're wanting to explore more of uh, doing the heart uh, the tough things and the tough uh, for people in tough places uh what would you kind of be that nudge for them what would be the next step on that that journey for them yeah that is a softball but but it's more than a softball it's such a a broad, beautiful question because one of the things, venture is one expression of how to respond to the gospel. You know, and we've talked a lot about the adventure side of it. Um, the overwhelming majority of our people actually don't even do the miles-based fundraising. They might just practice radical generosity by giving. Um, you know, and um, what we are able to do in partnership with the local church. Um, if you go to the regions of the world, the tough places that we talk about where we serve, you will not see a Westerner anywhere around there. We work with the local church through um, local pastors um, to provide the programming that we do. And we have an incredible community that supports that. Uh, and in this this day and age, I, I just read this morning that the projections are that acute hunger is going to double by January in the world. Um, and we're talking in the um, billions of meals millions of people. Uh, it, and so the opportunity, um, sometimes you just have to take a step in. And maybe, maybe a listener is going, well, I need to know that I really fully am bought in and believe, you, you know, all those things, maybe just a step, maybe just, uh, um, it could be radical generosity of $10, $100 or $10,000 to help feed um, through church planting networks. Or it could be somebody that's like, I've always wanted to do a 5k and they log on and they do 30 for freedom virtually. Um, or it could be somebody listening that uh, their step of responding to the kingdom is in this day and age where everything is digital platform during this pandemic, that they invite somebody to their online church. Uh, the church is looking more beautiful than ever as they are pivoting to meet the needs to come right into the homes and support parents um, and support families and individuals in their point of need. But what I go back to this idea of daily bread. There, there's a jar, and that jar, Jesus promises, he will give enough manna to fill that jar for today. But we've gotta go out and collect it. And so any kind of a response, it could be as soon as they're done listening to just get on their knees and pray and say, God guide me. It could be logging on to a link and helping to support somebody, I promise you, in a far more fragile and vulnerable financial situation than any of our listeners are right now. Um, it could be getting up and going to your spouse or your child and just saying, I'm sorry, I haven't been reflecting the kingdom. I'm going to keep working on that because if there's an area that I want to crush it, it's with my family. Uh, but it's taking a step, not trying to climb the mountain, but just trying to make sure that we don't quit walking. That's 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 really good. That's uh, uh, 
That's what we all need to hear every, uh, probably every day. <laughs> yeah. uh, or at least I do. I don't know. You, know, so, <laughs> uh, you mentioned a link, uh, and I, I, I would just give it, but I, you said a new website. So is, is it still going to be the same address uh, that people can go to find more about Venture? Absolutely. Super simple, venture.org. Excellent. And uh, I looked, and you're also on... Uh, our ventures also on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and I'll I'll put all that in the show notes yep. so that people can find that. That's far more interesting than following anything that I posted four years ago and forgot that I actually <laughs> had that platform. So definitely follow venture. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I thought I'd ask where you know where people can find out more about you, but I don't think that's probably what you want. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I just I would just say there's far better ways to invest your day. Than following anything that happens, unless you, you want to follow my wife and see really cute kids. That's all. <laughs> right, any any final ask that you'd have for the audience before we uh, send them on their way? Yeah, absolutely. They should keep listening to what you're doing, and I mean this very sincerely. Uh, it is um, you can tell not only it's a labor of love, but it's your obedience. Um, and by listening to somebody doing and modeling what it looks like to just say yes every day is what we need to be doing as the church. It doesn't matter if it's running across the state, climbing a mountain, moving overseas, or doing a podcast. It doesn't matter if it's serving at Starbucks or if it's wiping um, butts and changing diapers. If it's your obedience and it's clearly entrenched in how you understand scripture um, and it's adding value to the world around you, that's what you need to be doing. Um, And I would say the last thing is who you are is far greater than you think. Um, You know, you could be the person that never did a 5K that ends up running across the state. And that's a metaphor. It doesn't mean I'm recruiting everybody to Miles Day's thing. It just means that who God has created you to be, if you trust him, is going to surprise you and it's going to transform your community. Well, I, that's that's a great place to end. And I, I, when I asked you to be on, I, I I expected it to be rich, and it has been rich. And so I, I thank you for that. I, God bless you and your journey adventure. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and that you were inspired to think about how God would use you. Maybe it's literally just to come alongside a venture and partner with them in what uh, they're doing. You can find out more about them uh, at our website, christconnection.cc slash podcast, and I'll have all the links to find out more about venture. You can go there. Uh, Again, that's christconnection.cc slash podcast. or maybe it's just as you listen to Paul, there's something that stirred within you, an idea, a passion, a dream, or some dream that you left aside long ago. And you bring it back and say, oh, that really was God, and now's the time to do that tough thing that I need to do to make a difference uh, locally or around the world, whatever that next thing is that you are supposed to do. Uh, let me just challenge you with one other thing. Is there a friend who could learn about venture through this and you'd share that with them? Or uh, maybe they just need to have the dream sparked within them and you could pass this along. I'm just asking you to share this with somebody. Uh, 
And if you haven't subscribed, subscribe yourself. But send it to a friend and say, this Christ Connection podcast might be an encouragement to you. I'd really appreciate that. So we can be a blessing to more people and let the kingdom of God advance in their hearts as well. I'm so thankful for you taking the time to listen today. I'm thankful for you investing in your own walk with Jesus. It's so important for now and for eternity. So thanks for listening. And until next time, God bless you and keep you. Mm -hmm.